Simon, out of all the wacky batshit ideas humanity has come up with yes. in the past, I don't know, 10,000 years, mm-hmm. why do you think Marxism has persisted so much? Because it's true. Well, no, you no, can't no. just say because. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But I mean, it's... Uh, well, okay, what do, you, what do you think Marxism means? I mean, what do you mean by that? I mean, Marx invented a way of... Well, okay, let's... You know, historical materialism is a sure. way of... You know, an encompassing way of understanding the world. And, and what we call Marxism today... I mean, I'm not an economist, I'm not a historian, I'm not a sociologist, I'm just some dude who tweets sometimes to my five followers. Um, you know, but historical materialism is a totalizing way of looking at the world. It's incredibly... It has incredible predictive power, explanatory power... Um, it offers incredibly profound insights into the way the world works. It offers consolation also. Um, why wouldn't it yeah. be? Uh, well, well, basically, history is just about um, oppressor and oppressor throughout the throughout the centuries and millennia. What, what do you mean? Are you saying history? Uh, Marx, uh, no, that's, 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 that's incredible. That reductive. It's, it's extremely it's not, it's simplistic. Not, but no, I mean, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about Marx as a, historical materialism as a, as a methodology. I mean. Methodology that has been used in, in historical scholarship, sociology, you know, like what I mean, do you mean as a kind of academic methodology? Do you mean the kind of, you know, just just class struggle as a slogan? I mean, yeah, let's talk about, yeah, class struggle as a slogan, really. Oh, but that's a different question altogether. If you're asking why class struggle, you know, it still appeals to ordinary people uh, because you know, it exists because, as a reality because, 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 because people are, you know, yeah, there's, there's, you know, because capitalism is oppressive. I mean, that's. That seems to be the, the obvious and, and good answer to that question. I mean, well, okay, so let's take socialism in its theoretical form. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what does it hope to achieve and how how will it hope to achieve it? I mean, so again, I, I mean, I'm, not, it's you know, very I'm, broad. Not, I'm not like, you know, <laughs> a representative very, of you know, sure. democratic socialists of South Africa or even like a, an historian. I mean, but I mean, I, I would say one way of describing the, the end goal of, you know, socialism is... is Individual liberation, liberation of humans. I mean, that, that's basically what it is. From liberation of humankind. From what exactly? From all kinds of oppression, but certainly the kind of oppressive. Um, I mean, you know, the oppressive forces of capitalism. Basically, I mean, that's a very reductive. That's the kind of sure. you know slogan on the side of a bus answer, but that's that's the answer. I mean. All right, but I mean, capitalism is what two hundred and fifty years old, yeah. uh, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so Marx would have seen, you know, sees the bourgeois as a kind of ultimately, you know. He admires their energy more than probably more sure. than you know most. But yeah, he had good things to say about capitalism. He was actually his musings on capitalism are very interesting. Well, I mean, he, he does a, pick out the, the the frailties within it. Well, I mean, it's all about con- you know contradictions within. I mean, he Marx is not just some dude who is like unlike today's you know uh, Twitter right. I mean, Marx actually took a very careful look at what he was critiquing. I mean, mm-hmm. he had to fully absorb um, you know, neoclassical econ- economics, you know, in order to kind of critique it. I mean. You know, E.P. Thompson says almost too much. You know that it was kind of almost that it almost kind of that he absorbed absorbed uh, this text to the point that he was almost kind of contaminated by it. But um, right, because yeah. I mean, from my worldview, I mean, I'm sort of I used to be a bit libertarian, mm-hmm. not anymore. Yeah. But I do think freedom is the ability to trade with other people, okay, and uh, providing value, okay, to others mm-hmm. and products and services to others. Yeah. And being employed is part of a system which is... Because I think employment is the big hmm, obstacle, sure. right? In, in, in socialism, in the way socialists think of the world, employment is like sort of a fine line between that and slavery, I would suspect. Well, it, I mean, Marx envisioned 
I mean, I don't know. I'm, you know, again, I'm not talking Marx scholar, but Marx and, and socialists and you know socialists throughout time have envisioned the idea that you know, uh, communist utopia is not a world without work. Yeah. Necessarily, I mean, sure. you know, the idea is that you, you know, work is productive. I mean, Marx worked himself to death. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, really. But all, all the right wing literature I read was that he was a layabout who just like really? stayed at home and, you know, uh, what's his name? Engels. Yeah, Engels, Engels, Engels supported him throughout his life. Yeah, well, he wasn't working at Goldman Sachs. I mean, <laughs> probably he worked harder than I mean. Yeah, Marx was a workaholic. Right. Okay. And, and his family had to suffer. I mean, his family lived in, in extreme poverty. Yeah. Um, his children, you know, like. It, like, well, you know. well, like millions of others at the time in England, right? Yeah, but what wasn't I'm saying is he wasn't just like, you know, off like, you know, slacking all day. He was working nonstop. He was working on his right. research. He was part of, you know, he, he was an active, you know, he was part of the social... You know, this is not, you know, this is, you know, Marx was the opposite of psyche. He was a work, absolute workaholic. Okay. Yeah. So, oh yeah, so sorry, I was talking about my worldview. So my worldview is that, you know, you create, tra- you create value and... and goods and services to other people mm-hmm. that requires ca- uh, capital it requires yeah. labor yeah. and ideally mm-hmm. that trade will enrich everyone within it okay but does it well that's the question isn't it well, so now what, what are your objections to that well the fact that it doesn't I mean there's all kinds of I mean there's all kinds of um, cultural objections one might take also like yeah. the deadening effects of neoli- dare I say it, neoliberalism of late capitalism um but just from a, you know, um, and these are, you know, you're not, not going to find critiques of neoliberalism in, you know, in capital. I mean, I'm, you know, like when we talk about Marxism, what are we talking about also? We're talking about Western communism, we, you know, we're talking about all these various iterations of Marxist thought throughout the ages, other kinds of socialist thought. But, um, but at, at basic level, I mean, um, the worker relationship is exploited. That's the basic idea. Um, and I think, you know, clearly, I mean, I believe that it is. Okay. But also, you know, you can talk about the great poverty alleviation that kind of uh, has happened in the last, you know, half yeah. century. Yeah. But um, if you think that capitalism ultimately is immiserating, then you have to look at other ways that, you know, that are, are uh, more kind of can precipitate human flourishing. But I mean, also, when we talk about contemporary Marxist thought, um, I mean, look at the explanatory power of people influenced by, you know, of... of uh, I mean, I think, like, look at 2008, for example. I think, I mean, there were critiques that came from outside of mainstream, you know, the mainstream kind of commentaries. So, libertarian, I think there's some interesting libertarian yeah. critiques. A lot of it, I think, is nonsense, but um, at least they took a kind of holistic picture. I mean, you look at people like Robert Brenner, you look at Giovanni Arrighi. I mean, these are much richer, much more um, prescient and perceptive explanations of the crises of capitalism. Um, and whether, and, you know, then... and. and and they anticipated many of the crises that continued to occur. So, so can you give like a, just a diluted version of of their argument, like the, the enveloping uh, argument, uh, if, if possible? No. Can you, I mean, can, no, can no, you I mean, like Robert Brenner, for example, would talk about you know the the tendency of it goes back to, to Marx's uh, um, uh, concern with the tendency of the rate of profit to fall. Um, I don't think that's you know I mean it's complicated. The stuff is complicated. But I mean these are, these are you know these are not things that can be reduced to sound bites. But but it's I mean. A lot of people will talk about how the securitization that we saw that kind of precipitated 2008 was not just um, contingent. You know, that this is something that's almost kind of built into an empire at the end of its, a capitalist empire at the end of its kind of, you know. Okay. Um, you know, the late stage when kind of contradictions are massed to the point where it's kind of unsustainable. Um, yeah, we can, we can. My, my argument is not that any that I have the key that they exist like the one simple solution these are very sure. complicated and you'll find 
you know, within Marxist and left-wing and socialist economists, you'll find, you know, obviously disputes and, and historians. You're, you're not going to find one, you know, this isn't this isn't like just a uh, like a blog post about, you know, finding the right the right slogan sure, to, to sure. explain everything. But um, I'm saying these explanations have, as far as I'm concerned, greater explanatory force than than rival explanations. So I'm, I, this may have been a kind of complex way of evading your question. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> Uh, well, basically, how is capital? How is capitalism? Because I mean, here's the difference. Mm-hmm. I I like the free market. Okay, but you like what do you mean? You like free? Do you like personal autonomy? Yeah, and I mean, and there's all kinds of ways that we don't feel like sure. when we're in exploitative, you know, exploitative labor relations. Yeah. We, you know, you're not you're not autonomous without money. You're not autonomous in all kinds of ways. You're subject to all kinds of you know rules and strictures. Um, I don't feel very you know you, you know, and that may be okay. So it's Sure. It's also complicated. I say I don't feel free. I don't feel like I'm flourishing. That's a kind of almost like a, a privileged kind of middle class. You know, as a middle class person, I don't, I can't really yeah. complain in that sense. I mean, I think, I think that capitalism is dead, culturally deadening in all kinds of ways. Like I said earlier, but that's not, you know, that's compared to the kind of exploitation of, you know, work, the, the immiserate, like profound immiseration of of working class people. You know, my my qualms are, are irrelevant. But, I, but right. if we look at the system as a whole, if we look at kind of cultural critiques of the system. They still, I still hold them to be true, um, but that's not necessarily. So let's talk about exploitation, like now. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I mean, if you are employed, you're expected to be there at a certain time <laughs> and leave at a certain yes. time. And yeah. I, I agree with you. I think like it's sort of like partial slavery. Well, no, but I, I mean, I know you can imagine. But I think being a citizen anywhere in the world where you pay taxes is, is partial slavery too. Yes, I it's mean. not that. I mean, again, I'm not. I don't think I'm the person to like mount it full, you know, full blooded defense. I'm not. I'm not. It's a, a discussion. I know what I'm saying. Discussion. As, a, as, a, as a discussion. So, so then exactly. So let's. What I'm saying is let's. Um, again, socialism is not about. You know, the, the envisioned socialist utopia is not about no, like having no responsibility and not being required to be at work at any. It's not. It's not about that. It's about the particular exploitive relations mm. of modes of production and of you know like right. these. So this is so these are separate. You know. So what I'm saying is like it. Uh, these arguments, these kind of debates, are not necessarily. Uh, they miss. They, they. You know. Almost all Twitter debates miss the point. Like you know, miss the miss the fundamental. Like oh yes, you know, of course. I mean, you have to actually look at what the you know the arguments about kind of um, patterns of exploitation. You know, patterns of the way the, the particular nature of the the relationship between workers and the holders of the means of production, or whatever you know, however you want to characterize this, whatever your framework is. Um, so you know, a socialist world is not a world without work, but it's a world in which work is you know where owners own you know owners own their labor. Sure. So that, to me, is... is so is it, is it a world of, like, single operator businesses? No, I mean, you could be a, I mean, you'd be, I mean, you could be a worker for a state, you know, for whatever it is, a collective. I mean, the idea is that, ultimately, you know, you'd want the people to determine, you know, you'd want, you'd want the people to determine the, the nature of things. The state would, you know, like, sure. the Leninist idea of the state withering away. Anyway, like, these old complex, like, so, so abstract concepts. What I'm yeah. saying is it's not about not working. It's not about working less. That's not my argument. No, no, no. I'm but just I'm, asking. What I'm saying, no, what I'm saying is, you might still then be required. You might, you know, to be at work. There's still duties imposed upon you. Well, whatever. Well, I mean, who knows? Like, who knows how these these things might be configured? Like, maybe. So it hasn't, what been, I'm saying it hasn't, is, been, it hasn't been tried yet. Either labor is, you know, the idea is that labor would no longer be alienating. That you would, you know, the, these kind of questions. So these okay. are a lot more subtle questions. What I'm saying is, you can't. Yeah, these these are subtle questions that actually require attention from the critics. Like these lazy right wing critics have no conception of what it is they're actually critiquing you know this reductive idea that oh socialism is about you know um everyone being the same 
which is nonsense. I mean, that's just not the, the idea. Is the well politically the same, right? I mean, that was that was the fundamental appeal of, well, of the Soviet Union, right? Equality. Yeah, equality is a good thing, but that's different from. I mean, that's a liberal. Well, but that's but a liberal. I mean, a liberal. it was an, it was economic equality, not just equality yeah, under the law. Simple, no, but it's, it's more than that. It's not just a question of, of economic equality and that everyone has to have the same amount of money. Like, mm-hmm. who cares? You know, like the problem with the billionaire class is not that they have more money; it's the exploitative nature of the relationship. You know, if it wa- if that somehow wasn't exploitative, if we could have, I I could somehow envision a society where, you know, I'm not speaking, I'm just speaking as some dude, now, but I could envision a society where we have rich people and poor people and like whatever you can elect, you know, you you, the 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 nature of that relationship isn't exploitative and alienating in the way that it is now. Okay. You know, this idea of class envy that that like not wanting billionaires to exist is just a question of class envy is nonsense. Like, if rich people want to go off, you know, I can imagine a society in which you can elect to be rich in all kinds of ways, not elect to be, but you know this. Okay. And investments we take, but what I'm saying is, like, that's not the problem. The exploitative nature of our, the way that these relations are configured now, is not just a question of people not having the same amount of money or having, you know, you know, you could. Sure. We'd like to see, you know, diversity of human flourishing. Presumably, requires autonomy in a way that will lead to diversity. I mean, I don't think anyone doesn't want to see that. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So so the goals I mean, are similar. Fact, it's, it's like this, it's, you know, it's the method is different. Libertarianism is capitalism. It's deadening. We all have to comply. You know, this is a deadening. A comply. You know, you've seen every cliched '90s slacker movie about you know how you know going to the workplace is. is de- so it's not a question of how much you have to work or how hard you have to work or collective contributions or whatever it is. It's about the kind of deadening effect of of the neoliberal workplace of the way our politics is structured, of the way culture is structured. I mean, that's... Sure. Seeing I'm going this tirade, I mean, this is why I, another, like, hilarious thing is when you see, like, you know, um, right-wing bloggers talking about cultural Marxists, you know, like, talking about the Frankfurt School is like, what, wanting popular culture? I mean, we're talking about, like, a bunch of, like, elitist snobs who kind of yeah. saw all pop culture as, like, kind of entangled in, in, in capital, you know. These are the opposites, of, the opposite of people who just want, like, the deadening sameness of mass culture. These are, like the most trenchant critics of, you know, this culture, this mass culture. Right. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I mean... I mean let, let's talk about the exploitative way, the exploitative, what did you say, exploitative? Oh, who knows? <laughs> like, like, you can be, you said billionaire, like exploitative, uh, yeah, billionaire class. Mm-hmm. Like, how is Mark Zuckerberg exploiting, is he exploiting no, it's everyone not, or no, just no, people no. that work no. for him? Like, like, what is yeah. that relate? How is that relationship formed? No, no, no. no but I mean, Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, we talk, we talk. I mean, I really don't. Want or, or Bill Gates. Or whoever. Or whoever it is. Yeah. No. I yeah. mean, it's, it's not. Either like, just I is mean, is the is in terms the, of like the actual like a yeah in terms is, of the actual I, is like, the problem. I can't, I can't that, explicate now like the that actual, money like, equals power. Is that the problem? More money equals more power. Well, that's capital I mean, power. That is and true. social power. I mean, that's. I mean, certainly that's problematic. But that's a very high level kind of thing to say like what I mean it's vague what does that even mean you'd have to really then flesh out I'm trying to get to the basis of your argument no I, well, what I'm saying is I'm not really presenting an argument because right, right, right. I'm, I'm telling you what I think okay but if you actually want me to kind of explicate like you know various no. socialist accounts of like how labor is exploited like there's no you know I'm firstly I'm not qualified to do that but secondly like these are these are complex this is not something that's kind of reducible to a slogan but that's the thing sorry Simon that's the thing about the left though yeah it's very complex Mm-hmm. It is complex. Okay, you just said it. No, you know, okay, these, these no, 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 okay, because let's make it uncomplicated. These ideas poor are, people that yeah. you know, people you know, look at the nature of. Um, okay, yeah, fair point. No, that's a fair point. So sure. look at look at the fact that how ideological so much of what is taken as just common sense. Look at look at how economics over the last 
you know, half century, even kind of um, is not necessarily kind of re- so policy. Policy doesn't necessarily re- reflect uh, economic consensus, uh, academic economic consensus. But there's a there's a kind of policy that's taken as common sense. You read Business Day, you read any major newspaper to be taken seriously. We need growth. Growth, you need, you can't have the minimum wage slip below a certain amount. You know, kind of, you have to encourage FDI. Certain things will be, will just be absolutely, I mean, so, I mean, these are, these are things that have become entrenched as, um, as common sense since, I guess, since the neoliberal turn. But I mean, you know, the kind of repeal of Keynesianism. So 2008 was an interesting moment because it should have been, you know, I mean, if you remember, there were all these articles about, the, is this the end of capitalism? Capitalism's over. Yeah. And of course, three months later, it was business as normal. Sure. It certainly radicalized. I don't know if radicalized is even the right word. I don't think it's the right word. What it did was open the eyes of, you know, a generation of people who would have been, and this is in the kind of elite first world. I mean, people in the kind of global South have never had, you know, have, not, you know, like ambitious, uh, intellectually curious people in the global south have never been blinkered from these realities. But I mean, you know, it's like a literary kid in like Brooklyn, yeah. you know, would have continued to just write, you know, um, first person short story, you know, like, you know, um, you know, macho prose short stories. But um, I think that the dynamics of, and I think this is also the appeal of kind of Marxism and Marxist influence kind of scholarship to those kind of people is that it has this great explanatory power. But again, I'm kind of evading the question. He's saying to put it in simple terms, well, simple terms. Let's yeah. just look at. I don't know. Okay. Oh, so what I was going back to was the fact that so these are kind of common sense. So, that, so the way that the world we inhabit here, you know, in South Africa, for example, you look at how, uh, you know, apartheid geography still exists. You know, in many ways, yeah. people have to, you know, poor people have to take, you know, take a minibus, taxi, uh, wake up at five in the morning, you know, travel to work, earn your eight thousand rand a month if you're lucky, six fourth, two thousand rand. What were what were cleaners at Vitz getting paid? Two thousand rand a month. I mean, but the idea is we were, we were told there is no alternative, you know, the famous Thatcherite slogan. Um, that's, that, you know, this kind of the hegemony of these kind of ideals. Yeah. You know, the fact is there are policies that, that, could have, that, are pro, that could have helped poor people, that could have reduced inequality, that may have seen greater growth in other ways. But we were told, no, it's impossible. This can't be done. This is not, this is not, this is not tolerable. Um, the only way to help everyone is through the application of these kind of you know, clear-cut neoliberal policies. And they right. didn't work, and they're continuing not to work. Well, we haven't had growth, though, so we don't know. <laughs> well, 2008 was a, was a catastrophe. Look at the Eurozone crisis. Sure. Look at these various... And then also... But just... But, but then so, also, hold on. I just want to... Okay, so okay, go ahead. When, 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 when 2008 happened, I found, what I found an interesting kind of liberal trope was people acting as if it was unforeseeable. 2008 was, was a black swan event that couldn't be seen. Oh, the greatest, what, what, what do experts know? Ex- there's no such thing as expertise anymore. We just have to kind of shrug. But... But actually, you know, there were people in Fosti there. Yeah. That's, that's what I was saying earlier, like some libertarians, but also... Um, Nicholas Taleb. Well, yeah. So, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but also um, a bunch of, you know, like a lot of the kind of Marxist accounts of how the economy worked. Clearly, not predicted 2008, but crisis became... Um, I mean, so Talib is worth mentioning because he, so he, as he characterizes a black swan, is something that that could not be anticipated, for which then kind of retroactive explanations are given. Sure. Whereas 2008, so so you know, uh, um, uh, you know, there may not have been, the New Left Review may not have you know printed articles saying, oh, there's you know there's a particular crash coming you know next year, but they made the crisis uh, uh, comprehensible. It makes sense within the framework, and they anticipated. Um, a crisis of some sort, and also, also anticipated the way that financialization was going to be integral to that crisis. So, 
I mean, if, if the argument is that capitalism as we know it is working just fine, well, I mean, it isn't, and there are... There are but look, I mean, I don't think anyone agrees that capitalism is working just fine, unless you are part of that elite group within the state, within the government, and you're at Davos. Or right? you write to the business day. I mean, that, so that, but then again, so that's why I'm talking about this need then to say, oh, well, we were all wrong. Ha, huh, what do we know? There's no such thing expertise, rather than looking for alternative explanations. What, what is the ideological motivation for saying, oh, we can't look at alternative explanations? Alternative explanations that actually challenge, you know, the status quo, that challenge the hegemony of the Chicago school, or whatever it is, you know, the, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the, the elite consensus, basically. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, why, why 2008 in particular, though? I mean, there were, there's been, is it just because you were... No, well, I think that's the, the biggest, why, why, biggest why one within your lifetime. I mean, oh, oh I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm giving you an account of why I okay. think that young people, you know, like if you want to talk about other crises, I mean, I mean as a, again, I'm not a yeah. historian, I can't, you sure. know, I can't give you a, a kind of expert account of, you know, crises, you know, because the, obviously the interwar year or the post World War Two years are very important, and the differences, you know, between, the, you know, the repeal of um, regulation between then and and the neoliberal turn, and lot, you know, these are all interesting questions, and then you know, if we look kind of. I mean, someone like Giovanni Arrighi takes a much longer look at the way that capital is structured, you know, through empires. And it's very interesting, but I'm not the person to kind of give you an account of So, okay. So, trick question. Has has real socialism been tried yet? Uh, through through states... Uh, yeah, no, I'm not, sure what that, I'm, like, I'm not sure what that means. I mean, because I'm not sure why that's what, what that's saying. I'm t- I've just said to you that that Marxian explanations can diagnose the problems of capitalism. So if you want to now tell me that Venezuela is a failing state, I'm not sure what that has to do with anything I've just said. I haven't mentioned Venezuela, but yes. No, no, uh, no, but I'm, but no, sure, I'm saying this rhetorical, sure. this rhetorical move is, is interesting because it's like this deadening, oh, I see, so Venezuela is a, you know, an yeah. absolute shambles, therefore Robert Brenner's account of like financialization, like, okay, like, you know, sure. I'm, I'm like whatever. Because here's the thing though, I mean, yeah. I mean, people who have called themselves socialists, mm-hmm. self-described, uh, okay. Hugo Chavez, yeah. Hugo Chavez, perfect example, mm-hmm. um, nationalized a whole lot of things mm-hmm. for the interest of the people, yeah. did quite quite a few you know, good, lot, things. good things, a lot, lot of things. good things, a lot of good, you know, giving autonomy within within communities, right? There's a lot of good stuff, but pegged to the value of oil. Yeah, so I mean, so but the problem right. is, firstly, radical change is always risky, and it's not just left-wing change that is radical. You know, you could have. Uh, you know, like all kinds of market destruction, you know, impo- you know, that can be imposed and can be disastrous. Sure. I mean, look at Chile, you know, look at, you know. Well, yes, okay, fine. But yeah. but, it's all, but here's a socialist who, mm-hmm. who try to control every aspect of the state. What do you mean by try to control every aspect? Well, he nationalized Let's not forget about how awful sectors. Venezuelan society, you know, elite Venezuelan society was before Chavez. There's a reason he was as popular as he was. Well, he was but, seen as an outsider. Um, well, not only. What I'm saying is um, ordinary Venezuelans despised you know, the elite okay. ruling class. So they, they, so they elected the new, the new elite in? Well, that, whatever. I mean, okay. I right. mean, you're talking, you're talking about problems with, you know, with, you know. within, within statism. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah. all kinds of problems. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But why is it that whenever there is, I'm just going to use Chavez as an example. Mm-hmm. Whenever a socialist gets into power, they, they try to get more state control of uh, resources, industries, uh, impose more laws. It's almost like trying to create... What do you mean by more laws then? Because what what do you I mean this idea of like a big state and a small state? I yeah. mean I mean you have you have a lot of state power and state force going into imp- enforcing 
supposedly free markets enforcing, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I'm not, like, I mean, on the one hand, it makes sense, you know, a lot, you know, a socialist government would want to kind of impose control over aspects of the state. I mean, that makes that makes sense. Um, I mean, it's not surprising. But how does but that, how does it help human flourishment? Like, what is the long term goal? Because well, I don't, I can't tell you what Chavez's long term goal was, but I mean, you know, like. If you could, so, like I said, it wasn't just about, however, about uh, Venezuela. It wasn't just about centralization. It was also about giving autonomy to communities within Venezuela. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, certainly not here to defend, you know, certainly not the current um, Venezuela government or Chavez, you know, but I, sure. but I mean, I think I mean, no, it's interesting they, to watch. The know, when Chavez was still around, yeah. you know, there was no way to get any kind of objective accounts. You know, you watch like, you know, you'd, wa- you'd watch kind of anti American TV, and Chavez was the greatest the greatest leader in the world and you'd watch CNN you'd watch Fox you'd watch you know the greatest the dictator in the world the devil, yeah. yeah which is um, both of which are are wrong it's it just seems that for me the fundamental problem with with the with the world yeah perhaps the world is, is, is state power as opposed to people trying to trade with each other within that state power sure so we need states to be democratically accountable you want states to be accountable and that's well, I want, them, I want them not to exist, firstly. But. Okay, well, maybe. I mean, maybe. I'm not... Whatever. Okay, cool. But what I'm saying is, like, the current the current status is that state power is determined by elites as opposed to people. Right. Let's talk and, about the elites now. Okay. So, so when you talk about elites, are you referring to bureaucracies and supporters well, of the... Of well, political like, parties and major newspapers. And well, yeah, but but I mean, I guess I'm talking. Well, I'm talking about rich people, basically. Well, there I'm you go. About these people, yeah, no, that's okay. what I'm saying. Is bureaucracies don't exist. <coughs> I mean, these are not. I mean, I'm obviously giving you a kind of, you know, reductive cartoon version of the actual dynamics within state. But again, so, but I think also we're getting into kind of another trap here, where we're like, you know, of social media discourse. You know, here we are, not historians, not economists, and we're discussing this minute technical aspect of like what power means and I think sure. these I think especially in South African Twitter again and again and again we've got these like like fake philosophical debates about like for example free speech about the we never look at the dynamics of situations it's just a question of like you know slogans free, you know free speech is important you know or is overriding it is you important know? though sure but why uh, yes we had this conversation before yeah because uh, that's how that's how progress is made. Maybe I mean, if you're going to take a, a kind of if you're going to take an instrumental vi- like view of free speech, then you have to look at what it means in any particular case. Uh, but no one does. I mean, South Africa, you've got these like you know these slogans, these positions, and then you don't have. So I was thinking about like why this would be. Am I you know I think that a lot of a lot of the questions that appear to be like questions of identity or questions of of principle are not. What they are a kind of I think the failure to make reparations in South Africa has led us the, to a position where we can only... So we basically, South Africa is this jerry-rigged compromise. So what we can only really do is debate... So that's why we've been forced... Like, I mean, I find it interesting that kind of like rich white people despair at all this kind of identitarian discourse, as they would call it, you know? Okay. The fact that we have to revert to identity is, you know, is a compromise. It's a fact that that's the only plane on which one can actually... Argue. I mean, they, they weren't. I mean, imagine South Africa had actually been made, had been equalized. Imagine there'd been reparations after apartheid. You know, instead of the, you know, because also white South Africans keep saying they're, they're tired of guilt. They're tired of made to be, you know, being made to feel guilty. Well, that was the compromise. The TRC was a question of of guilt and redemption. And this discourse that we created is, is a discourse of guilt. 
that was chosen. That was the elite compromise that we talk about guilt. Then actually, you know, instead of actually making reparations, yeah. South Africa had actually been equalized. Well, what do you think reparations would have done? Well, so so let's okay, let's assume. I mean, I'm not sure. saying this would be easy, but let's assume that you know, South Africa that we'd we'd you know because so there's universal basic income for black South Africans or, of some sort. I don't know. I don't know. Like whatever. You know. Like the point is, you know, all wealth accumulated under apartheid is illegitimate. I mean, do you agree with that or? Not all of it. I mean, Why not? Because black wealth increased as well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, low base. No, I mean, don't I get mean, me wrong. I mean, I'm not ninety percent of wealth accumulated under I'm, apartheid. I am entirely not un- yes. entirely illegitimate. Sure. Now imagine that would have been but illegitimate. It's. Well, why not? I mean, it's the difficult. wealth that Nazis accumulate. I mean, it's you know, it was an evil regime. There's nothing. There's nothing defensible about the apartheid regime. Sure. There was, you know, any any contract enforced by the apartheid regime. How how is that defensible? How can that still be? How can that still hold? How can any how can any polit- conduct any economic conduct under apartheid be be defended? Be considered legitimate? How can any accumulation of wealth be considered legitimate? But anyway, let's put that. Let's just okay. assume for one no, second. No, no, no. Interesting, so interesting assume, thought. Yeah. Assume that reparations that there was total reparations that all that money was redistributed could have been in different ways. Let's let's just say every you know there was a total equalizing of wealth in South Africa at that point. You know, because the, like the DA, like, you know, liberal, you know, there's old school liberal types always talking about equal opportunity society, you know, reverse discrimination. How can we have, you know, affirmative action that's reverse, you know, that, that identifying people by race is an apartheid tactic, which, you know, there's something to be said for that. But it's the compromise that we're left with. You know, if South Africa had actually been made an equal society, then you'd say, fine, everyone's equal if you're qualified for the But job equal, job. equal in terms of, of wealth. Sure, whatever resources, yeah. Sure, I'd but that means also access to schooling. It means you know the fact is the the Jerry Rig compromise we've got is that you know wealth remains concentrated like it was. You go to your private school, you the, you know like it's not you know and then oh shame you you occasionally have to be told to feel guilty and you 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 don't get preferential job selection. I mean in terms of like the in terms of the recourse for a, a world historical crime. Identity was identity conflict was the compromise chosen by elites. That, I mean, and it's as simple as that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, most South Africans did not vote for the TRC. That or, or well, the, the alternative would have been what I'm saying. The, is terms the, of best thing, the best thing that ever happened to white people in yeah. terms of prevent, like protecting their privilege, was this compromise, this elite compromise. It was really? it was done for the, you know. Yeah. Because the alternative was well, again, it was this idea that there was no alternative. You had to you know that it would have been the end of. South Africa's economic success, it would have seen South Africa, but whatever, whatever the arguments were, I'm saying, you know, this, so you're this saying guilt-based, identity-based argument that we've got, this is the best thing that ever happened to white people. You know, I love this statistic, I've seen this meme that you see again and again of how, like, you know, whatever it is, like 10% of the ta- people in South Africa are paying 90% of the tax. Sure. As if, I mean... Well, there's reparations in some way. No, what I'm saying is people are acting as if they're, they're somehow being exploited as tax you know, people, You know, people are not paying tax are still making productive contributions to the economy, a lot of them, clean, you know, who, people who don't reach the, the threshold to pay tax. That's a statistic about concentration of wealth. I mean, it's not a question, it's not a statistic about the exploitation of the elite. It's oh, a right. statistic about how wealth remains concentrated. No, it's not to sense. say there aren't poor white people, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, you know. No, that makes like, sense. I mean, I think I agree with you there. Yeah. I don't think it's sustainable to only have that pool of people paying tax no, of in, in for, for a very long time. Well, I, I agree and, with you, but that's because... But and it's a concern that... The, the rate of absorption into the tax bracket is very slow. Yes. Uh, it's a huge concern. Mm-hmm. 
because they had no growth. Yeah. No, I'm not, <laughs> not anti-growth anti- per se. I mean, no, I'm trying to use all the all the all the <laughs> jargon of the elites. Well, the current, you know, currently we are in the worst of all worlds. I mean, we have you know, like all this whole, you know, in the way that the Zuma regime managed to kind of you know successive downgrades by rating agencies for no good reason. You know, it's one thing if you're going to kind of uh, piss off the rating agencies for some kind of grand, like, you know, progressive package that they, they would find intolerable. Right, right. But what I we've mean, got is your standard basket of, you know, whatever, you know, deplorable policy, you know, policies. <laughs> but like, but like, someone like, with, yeah. like someone like Praveen Gordon, he is a, he is a communist. He you like himself tweeting one. about how he's a communist. I mean, he was, very, he was a member of the Communist Party for a while and he was, his, his policies are like, he's, I, mean, I know, yeah. but that's, that's, that's my question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, the Communist Party of South Africa is not communist. They're only communist in name. Well, I mean, if you, if you were to go speak to them, you know, they'd give you good, you know, good... Before they rush off to the Mercedes-Benz 7 Series. Well, again, there's no reason... Why, I mean, this is another great... Like, communist oh, can oh, be... You're, right. a, you're a communist. You're t- what are you doing, tweeting in your life? Like, I mean, uh, there's no, I mean, being a socialist doesn't mean you don't like things. You know? So is there, is there a viable I mean, left... Like, yeah. Is there a viable left... In South Africa. Institution or organization well, or anything it, like that in South Africa. What I also find interesting is how kind of white liberal, like white left-wing dudes in cardigans like studying at elite, like East Coast universities are like instinctively dismissive of the EFF. I mean, I think the EFF is very sad. I think yeah. there's a lot to be worried. I mean, I, you know, what are the internal disciplinary process of the EFF? What might they be? You know, there's a lot to be wary of, but I think the EFF is an exciting part and I think they show what's possible. Um, I just think they want to increase state power. That's why I oppose them. And I don't, and I don't I'm not sure what that means. Well, increase state power. I think they will become uh, dictatorial. Why? Why them specifically? Because all their heroes are, and they keep mentioning the, who their heroes are. Such as? Uh, Hugo Chavez was a hero for a long time. Yeah, Mugabe was a hero for a long time. Thomas Sankara was a, yeah. is, is still a hero, I think, of this. But he died too soon to, to make a, a terribly lasting impact on Burkina no, but Faso, I believe it was. Like increasing state power? I mean, what's the difference between the way... Because that's... Pa- I mean, just in terms... I don't mean the difference... Because that's, the dispro- that's a dispro- pro- disproportionate power relation right there, citizens and the state. No, but <clears> what I'm saying is, you know, as opposed to who isn't trying to impose state power... So, you know, for example, like, neoliber- like you know, neoliberalism, I think libertarians sometimes say good things about this, even though they're, they miss the kind of great, the bigger picture about... Yeah. sociology of power but I mean <clears throat> neoliberalism is a state construct also and when we talk about state power I mean the state enforces the current economic regime I sure. mean the state enforces capitalism the state enforces state power you know like you're just simply saying Chavez increases state power who reduces state power and what is state power who makes citizens more autonomous if increasing state power means increasing protections for individuals you know, in a de- in a way that's democratically accountable, that sounds great. Sounds awesome. I mean, <laughs> even if it's not democratically accountable, though, something like something like um, minimum wages. Yeah, right. uh, no, like something like Singapore, right? Not yeah. not the most democratic nation in the world. Uh, okay, but they're, they're very capitalistic. No, so okay, I but, assume. So, but hold on. So then, but that's a good. So then, suddenly, this idea of like, you know, is do you really worry about state power per se? Again, is this even a question about principles, or is this a question of just configurations that you like? Because this is, again, the thing where people, you know, people on the internet think they're talking about these grand philosophical, like, abstractions. You're not. You're talking about, well, not you, but one is not. One is talking about configurations of power or mm-hmm. or, or, or policies that one likes, you know. And so, I mean, if you like Singapore, you know, if you like, if you, if people uh, like, not people, particularly. I like people there. like state power when they, when it, you know. Suits them. Yeah, of course. When it, when it, when it, no, of course. Know, no, but I, I think all state power is illegitimate. 
Okay, but I, yeah. As I'm a principled gonna, anarchist. I know, but what does that really mean? I mean, no, what, no but seriously, what's the difference? Because I'm saying, yeah. you're saying specifically your problem with the EFF is they're going to increase state power. As opposed to, uh, you know, as opposed to the well, DA. Well, yeah, but but the, but the DA, mean, DA is also going to increase state power. But they're going to increase state power for you to, 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 like, change your fucking rubbish bins, right? Plastic in here, glass in here. Like, that's the DA's power. EFF is going to be like, no, we're going to expropriate every single piece of land in the, in the country. So you don't like the, including, the policy of expropriation. But, I mean, again, yeah. So including like, land owned by black people. So, right? so, again, like, the thing about, like, these, I find interesting, these criticisms of, of like decolonizing education, land redistribution, any, ra- I mean, so these are huge problems and any radical, and any kind of, any intervention that isn't well thought out, well planned is obviously going to be disastrous. Sure. But that is not, but, but people make that, you know, people use that as a way of evading the more fundamental question of whether these things are legitimate. Like, right. is it right to decolonize education? Is the state of education in South Africa acceptable? You know, is it is this kind of let's call it a Eurocentric mode of it, whatever, however you want to characterize it? I would say that it's that it is incredible, that it's bad, it needs to change. Now, okay. yeah. you know, the now if you were to come to me and say, oh, well, just you know, imposing you know a blanket policy of decolonization is going to be disastrous. Yeah, probably. I mean, you could say that to any any major change, any but, radical yeah, change. Absolutely, no, I agree but, with you. But that, but but uh, but that's again, it's being used simply to evade the, the more fundamental questions. Do we need land reform in South Africa? I mean, I would say we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is just expropriating land without a without a plan going to work? No, no, it'll be an no of course disaster. not. Does but that what, mean, why not? Why does that not mean we just put the issue to rest? But why not actually just yeah. give land to those who really live on it, or give title to those who really live on it? Well, that's, I mean, now we're just talking details. I don't know. I mean, that's let's defer to the land economy. You know, well, the, okay, the, the Ingunyama Trust, right? I mean, there's the Zulu King mm-hmm. through through sheer crony nepotism with the with the governing party owns how many millions of hectares of lands with hundreds of thousands of people on it. Yeah. Uh, why don't just give the wealth to the people literally okay, yeah, by allowing yeah. them to have the piece of land in which they reside on? That's land reform. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, maybe I don't. You know, like, maybe. No, what I'm saying. What is do you like, mean, maybe? <laughs> it's fucking true. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, give I title, they will be wealthier. I agree, but what I'm saying is, like, okay, that's, that doesn't that doesn't resolve the. Yeah, sure, that sounds that sounds good to me. Okay, as, uh, as a first step. Yeah, it sounds good to me. But I'm saying, like, okay, that's just an example. So, what are the big problems with land reform that needs to be resolved? No, I can't. Uh, again, let's defer. Let's defer to actual experts. You know, the, what, these are, again, these are not these are not questions simply of principle. We can't resolve this. This is an incredibly complicated question. Yeah, but know. everything's complicated with you, Simon. I just want glib answers no, what, that that I that, that I can put on YouTube let, let with me, Simon smashes Ramon. I get, I get that. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, so I think my my larger point is being lost, which is that I'm saying I'm still trying to make the point that. What I, you know, people evade grasping with these actual issues. Let's take a look at it. Let's see what it actually entails by, by the kind of, you know, by this blanket statement of the, the mere fact mm-hmm. that the, you know, the, the, the point of their complicatedness is, is almost kind of implied by opponents. It's like opponents of decolonizing education. Well, first, they'll laugh at the very concept, even though they've never looked at any of the literature about this stuff, the, the various meanings that this could have. But, but it's, difficult, aside, it's difficult to read. Sure, but then, but and yet that doesn't stop people from acting as if they know what they're talking about. Acting sure. as if you know, calling students idiots as if students have always, you know, students are impulsive. And that's students, you know, with her, you know, throughout history. Um, so okay, yeah. so so you are saying, so back to the EFF. Yes. So do you think they are s- sort of getting to be? They're not quite a viable 
organization of the left, but they could be. No, but what is the left? I mean, you know, again, so what is it? There's a lot of, as a lot someone of who wants, as they, someone. I am personally, yeah, yeah. This, I, I'm, yeah, as I say, for you. here I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, differ from the, like, the, like I said, the bearded, white, radical, and a cardigan. I think the EFF have done amazing stuff. I think okay. they're, lot, they're not unproblematic. No one's unproblematic. Sure. And again, what are the internal disciplinary structures? How do, you know, what's going to hold, you know, there's a lot, a lot of questions one would ask. Yeah. Um, with but, a new party. I mean, the thing about, I mean, with me, I don't trust like a group of people to do something that does, how can I explain? I don't trust people with that much power. Which people? I mean... Oh, anywhere from, from Julius to Helen Zeller to Jacob Zuma. Okay, like, so what you're it, saying it, is like political it, processes shouldn't exist at all. Or we can make, just make them a bit more different. Just devolve power to the provinces would be a good that, start. How does that help? And what's the difference? Well, you know exactly where the where the provincial premier stays, so you can go lynch him if things go wrong. Sure, but I mean, but realistically, you know, you know like at what points? You know, if you're talking about like autonomy, at a, you know, at some point you've got to have things that work. But again, now you're evading the question of whether the EFF themselves are viable or not. Like, if you don't want, if you don't, if you're not into like politics at all, if you just don't want to see the withering away of the state. That's a whole other separate question from whether, in terms of our politics, the EFF can be an emancipatory force. I think in many ways it can be. Are they? Do they? You know, is there potential for them to also be destructive? Yeah, sure. I mean, so, do the ends justify the means, or does it depend on the ends? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, do, does it depend on the means, means rather? And, you know, like, um, like, I mean, is that a question that you? I mean, are you asking me from my kind of meta-ethical? Oh no, no. Okay, so, general, yeah, so mean, if we take land reform, for mm-hmm. example, and say they expropriate land of everyone, yeah, uh, somehow they're able to do so. I don't know yeah. how, including. Black people who, who you know, for the first time in, in, in generations have managed to own land. Yeah. And then somehow they do something very benevolent with that land. Mm-hmm. And then utility, you know, utilitarian says everyone's better off. Is it, is it, <laughs> is is it like worthwhile? Weird, this is like a weird, like, Sam Harris counterfactual. I mean, yeah. are sweatshops worth having because capitalism will ultimately, you know, alleviate poverty rates? I mean... Well, to the people there, perhaps. I mean, I, mean, I, I can't answer that weird counterfactual. Like, I don't think it's... I don't think it, Tells us anything. I'm not sure, you know, like you're asking me about, uh, yeah. It's not how these policy questions work. No, but I mean, if you want want your goal, Mm -hmm. which is the autonomy of the individual. Yeah. Not only, but I'm saying. Okay, one of of your goals. Yeah. And and the process to that involves suffering. Does it depend on the suffering or is the goal that important? No, but I mean, now you're asking me like an abstract question, like a meta-ethical question. You know, a question of normative ethics, you're asking me, like, I mean, it's it's such a non sequitur in terms of like this policy discussion. I mean, do the ends justify the means? I mean, that that could be equally applicable to any policy direction we choose. I mean, sure. it's, it's a red herring. Like, like I I'm not sure why that's relevant. If you're asking me that, it's a separate question of like how ethics works. I don't know. Like, whatever you know, like that's. I mean, like, well, you study not, philosophy. I never studied philosophy, so when yeah. you say ethics, I, I don't know what you mean. Okay. Oh, I, I do actually. <laughs> um, I guess the EFF could be the viable organization oh, of the left. Um, I, I, there's a lot I like about the EFF. Have you been to an EFF rally? I, I don't go to rallies. I'm not a political person. They're incredible. They're incredible. The energy, oh, the, they? the solidarity. They're incredible. So are Nazis. I'm joking. Well, no, I mean, no, no, but I mean, the, the aesthetic of <laughs> fascism. No, but that no. is not, a, not something to... I mean, the aesthetic of fascism is something to think about. I mean... Yeah. How, why fascism would be compelling is not a mystery. Um, you know, but but not all. You know, that's they that's had great uniforms. Well, Hugo Boss was on point, but that's indeed, all, yeah, whole other, indeed, whole other. No, but I, I don't get like these cult of personalities. Like I find it strange. Yeah, well, I, find, I, I think I think I think that deadens uh, individual autonomy. Yeah, 
Sure. I'm not going to, I don't disagree with him. I don't know. So even like someone like Julius. Yeah. Do you think he... Well, he's charismatic. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's compelling, no. you know. I mean, when you say cult of personality, it depends what you mean. Do you mean, is it is it useful to have a charismatic leader? I mean, undoubtedly. Is it dangerous for a party to kind of revolve around one, you know, one charismatic... You know, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. But again, that that, you know, that seems like a pretty obvious point. I mean... Yeah, for everyone, yeah. 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 All right. So... so do you th- what is okay? What is your opinion on what people on my side call the social justice warriors, and what you call? I just oh, look God. at their face. Oh my God! <laughs> I knew that would happen. Just, firstly, firstly, I mean, just so like, I was just like, oh God. I mean, but uh, but yeah. back to your point about identity. So you said that's the like the last. What did you say it was? The well, last the thing people have. Yeah, well, in South, I'm speaking specifically in the South African context, and obviously okay. the expression doesn't exhaust everything. But what I'm saying is. People have, are forced to kind of, you know, so like black nationalism, for example, is an Im- incredibly powerful, galvanizing kind of um, movement. Yeah. But, but other forms of identity kind of protest are required because that's the only kind of reform that's possible. So there's an argument, you know, some, some critics of kind of so, so-called identity, whatever the hell identity policy is, if it means one thing, um, will say, you know, some kind of leftist critics will say that it's kind of buying into neoliberalism it's kind of you know it's it's not actually radical but i would say like i mean perhaps there's something to that but i mean again these are not these are not one size fits all explanations but also i would say that it's the only plain you know it, it may be that it's not fighting against kind of uh the kind of distribution of power but i would also say that Sometimes that's what you've got, and you've got to you've got to fight with what you've got. And in South Africa, we, you know, it's, it's impossible to enter the sphere of kind of the public sphere without, in any other level, you know, in on any other terrain. You have, you know, claims have to be kind of identity based. Sometimes I'm saying this sure. is a compromise that we've, that we've made. But but, but why? Social justice, like what okay. do you mean? Be social justice, like again, okay, so like sometimes you've got like you know really like you know you just got dudes just speaking like some guy you know his parents basement talking about how the Frankfurt School is. Like likes Britney Spears, like what? Well, like you know, there's all nonsense. But like, you know, if you want to say that like there's hypocrisy, you know, amongst okay, let me let me give you my yeah. ideas. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very to me mm-hmm. it appears to be learnt theory okay. that is not available to like ninety percent of the world population. Okay, so, but what no one, no one, I don't think anyone. Okay, I'm not going to make FC statements, but I don't think people have this epiphany one day mm-hmm. about their identity. I think most people don't. Okay, but so care what, what are we talking about? about uh, identity politics, whatever okay, that but, means, but, right? Yeah, well, what does it mean? Like, well, in this case, like, I don't know what it means. About, you know, we're talking about, let's say, in the South African context. You know? Yeah. Okay, so who are these evil social justice warriors? No, they're not evil. No, okay, well, who are they? I find who, them are, who are they? Like, well, they appear to be. Okay, so when Rosemont's Fall was was, mm-hmm. was happening, right? So you had a lot of people, and they, and they use these terms. Um, black pain was one okay. of them. Uh, black really black bodies was uh-huh. another. Yeah. Um, uh, what black excellence was another? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. I mean, it sounds like an effective. Why? Why would? Is it, co- is it code words? Like, okay. Like. It's not code. But I mean, if you if you're some like mystified, why not ask? No one ever asked. You know, that was an incredible, I get incredible, incredible account. Of, I get blocked on Twitter. Well, what I, I find amazing is like you'd have you'd read all these. You know these accounts of how these students are basically the, the rise of fascism on South African campuses. What they mean by these statements is basically, you know, 
It's like, well, why not ask the students? No one ever did. You know, no one unsympathetic. No one, you know, you know, complained about the social justice warrior, identitarian fascists ever stopped to kind of try and figure out what people were actually saying. But but I think a lot of these ideas are like emulate from educated middle class people. Like I don't think it's a galvanizing force for well, some, some lower are. classes. Okay, but uh, throughout the country, right? I don't no, think that, people that's a, I in mean, the that's, popo. That isn't no, but that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, that's an interesting question to think about. Yeah. On the other hand. You know, so there were, you know, like, like look at the student protests and look at how students had kind of outside the, you know, outside of the elite universities, you know, so, you know, then complained and said, look, we've been protesting for years. Why is it that you only, you know, pay attention when it's bits in UCT? Very reasonable question. Sure. The students themselves, you know, I, I went to a few bits of rallies and incredible. I mean, the, 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 the I mean, again, so like these evil fascists, I went to these rallies, some of them just to watch I mean and they were unbelievably th- the sense of unity the sense of solidarity the sense yeah, of yeah because you agreed empathy. with them no I mean try go the Keepwitz open group not to was, me they didn't was, I don't know who I was but the Keepwitz open group had like one they walked from West Campus to Senate House and they were sworn at and done all sorts of things too so I mean once, sure, once, sure, there, no, once no, there's no. opposition the solidarity falls away very quickly no, I mean that's yeah that's a reasonable okay, it's thing the point, to think about what I'm saying is also what I'm saying is they themselves drew attention to so I mean, obviously, a lot of ideas are elite ideas. Um, yes, they are elite ideas. I should have just said that. They they appear to be very elite ideas. Some some of them are, some of them are not. Okay. I mean, are Fanon's ideas elite ideas? I mean, in a sense, you know, they're the product of an elite education. Um, are you saying students can sometimes be glib and just pick up slogan? Sure, students have always done that. But um, why do we need so, to pay? So do right wing. But why do we, media commentators? Sure, and, sure. Yeah. Why are you pointing at me when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> My one friend, my one friend. But now, why do we have to think that this is like a true reflection of what they believe, and why do we need to pay attention to it? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not really sure what you're asking me. Like, I know, but you talk about identity as like the last thing that they have due oh, to no, I mean, oppressive so, capitalism. I'm not talking about so-called social justice work. I'm talking about in South Africa itself as a yeah. country. You know, yeah. there's constant hand-wringing about race-based discourse, about how you know about the erosion of liberalism. So I'm not talking about, you know, students, you know, giving pointed economic slogans. I'm talking about the fact that we, you know, talk about, um, you know, we still talk, you know, how, how can affirmative action exist in a post-apartheid South Africa? Yeah, well, where, I would say where it applies to the majority only. Yeah. It's the only country well, where... Sounds, I, mean, that, yeah. I mean, it is defensive. It is defensive. Well, yes, it's the only country where the majority is still, like, effectively, uh, you know, disempowered. I mean, so so yeah, it does sound crazy on the surface, but you, you, it's easily defensible when you stop and look at the statistics. But why are we even in this weird position? And so, I, my position was that we're in this position because of the failure to, you know, the failure of repara- the failure to make reparations. So now we have to then have these hand-wringing accounts. Of how is it? How is it that young Mary and young Pitt, you know, they worked so hard, they studied for, they you know, studied so hard, they you know, they should have gone to medical school, but you know, the affirmative action meant that they, you know, that they were quotas. And, like, how is that fair? I mean, on the surface, you can see... That, I mean, it is ultimately fair. It's justifiable. But why are we even in this position? You know, we're in this position... Well, you can say it's justifiable discrimination. You don't say it's fair. Yes, it's fair. Is it just semantics? I would say not, no, it's not. I would say what, what's fair is if we actually lived in an, an equal opportunity society. That's never What does possible. equal opportunity mean? Because well, it, no, like, like, it, it sounds equal, like bullshit to me. Well, it is bullshit. I, I keep saying <laughs> it. No, what I'm saying is I keep saying it because that's like the DA's famous thing. We, we need to live in an equal opportunity society. I don't think anyone actually fundamentally believes that. Because yeah. no one gives up their, their position. Because what is equal opportunity? So it is, it mm-hmm. is you're born, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you have 
So it's a combination of genetics and social influences, right? No, okay, look. So, so, so everyone should have the right to go to university. No, the, the idea is not everyone needs to be the, the same. No, not what the same. What they have the same is, opportunities. What I'm saying is, like, look at, you know, this is supposedly the American dream. It's like, you know, upward social mobility, you can be whatever you want. You know, there was that statistic, I don't know, some bullshit, there's some statistic where, like, you know, the, I don't remember what, the American dream is more... Is more achievable in Denmark, maybe one of the one of the Scandinavian oh, countries. Okay. Than the idea, you know, like in terms of opportunities of you know for social mobility. I mean, there's no question that they they exist more in some places than other places. But um, but, I, but freer places. Yes, freer places with, like Denmark and Norway. With yes, with robust private sectors. Well, we can we can question again what that means. I mean, Germany also has a robust private sector. Yeah. But what's the difference between the German, you know? The, the, the hegemony. <laughs> well, no, you're not wrong. I mean, in oh, Europe, of course, oh, I'm not wrong. I'm no, not no, being in Europe. Europe. I mean, I mean, so that's the thing. In, in many ways, German capitalism works well for German workers, but mm. it's been a disaster for the Europe. Very well, so. Um, but that's a, you know, but yes, yeah, so that is an important question in terms of German growth. But um, equal well, opportunity, equal opportunity. That's so bullshit, I, so, right? So when I, I was pointedly saying equal opportunity society because that's a, that's a DA slogan, equal opportunity society, and they use it also in a pointed way. They're talking about. Um, they're, to, they're, they're using that in the negative sense of, you know, opposing, you know, co- it, these constraints on liberty, supposedly, affirmative action, BE or whatever. So what I'm saying it is... It is a constraint of sorts, right? Sure. But you're saying it's justified constraints. Yeah, yeah ultimately, of course it's justified. But what I'm, of course, affirmative action is justified. But what I'm saying is that, again, to go to my initial point, it's the, it's the compromise. Why people should be, you know, should be fucking grateful for uh, affirmative action as opposed to actual redistribution. You know the deserved, you know reparations. What should have happened? So if you know, that's why I'm saying this was the the elite compromise. Like, oh shame, you you might not be first in line for medicine. Oh shame, you know, like your, you know, centuries of accumulated accumulated wealth remain intact. So, so how you long might, you might have to go to Harvard Medical School? Shame, you know. I really feel for that. That sounds like a real caricature. Oh yeah, sure. But you know what I'm saying. You know what, you I sort of, I sort I'm of not saying white people aren't. You know that there aren't white impoverished white people. But white people are still citizens of the country. Okay. They still have rights. Yeah, sure. They still. So, are you only talking about I'm, state privileges? I'm not saying. So let's just rephrase this. I'm not saying white people. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not You're not calling for genocide. What I'm saying is, in terms of. The, the the like retribution is not the word I want, but redistribution, retributive justice, right? That should have occurred. Not even retribution. That's not what I'm saying. In terms of in terms of what was justifiable, in terms of what would have been right, in terms of the reparative kind of, I guess is the phrase I'm looking for, reparative justice. That was, I would have said, you know, correct, you know. In the, Transition from you know post you know parties to supposedly post apartheid South Africa, um, you know, in terms of what could have happened, yeah, you know, white South Africa managed to negotiate a pretty sweet deal. We got off well. Yeah. Okay, not me. I'm not. I'm half white only, and I only arrived here like in '91. So fuck it. I don't okay. know. But you know what I mean. Sure. That's the point. I'm saying right. you know. So if you know, I'm not saying. So I'm not dismissing. You know, like like those Daily Mail articles. So then again, we can talk about. You know, like farmers, like the question sure. is not, oh, you know, farm, you know, white farmers don't matter. Of course, that, that you know, there's that, that a horrifying incident. But the idea that, you know, I mean, crime affects crime affects South Africa. So it's a, I sure. mean, this, this is a disaster for all South Africans. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not some special. Um, sure. 
But when the state is is not at all interested in in violence against citizens, mm-hmm. interpersonal violence. Yeah, oh, no, you want the state to intervene. <laughs> no, I don't want it. Yeah. No, I don't want yeah. it. I mean, I, I think I think appealing yeah. to the state to protect you from from malevolence is, is a bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But well, is it? I think that's the, the clearest role of the state to protect the citizens. I mean, do we really want look at look at the look at, look at public security in the suburbs where you have is you know what's there suburban residents yeah. who can do whatever you can drive home you can you know drive home pissed out of your mind you know that you're not going to be pulled over by your private security guard to like you know it's not about but what's going to happen is you know once I like my private home, I like my private militia yeah it's very they're very nice to have if you're you know I mean don't get me wrong very nice to have very comforting very well, reassuring yeah socially incredibly problematic in what way. I don't know if we can have this whole conversation. I mean, there's a whole other, you know, this is a whole other three-hour three conversation. Yeah. But, well, know, they just happen to be there, and they're like, you sort of have to sign up if you live here. Like, well, oh, yeah. Any, yeah. That's coercive. Well, that's that's the libertarian dream, to be coerced by your body corporate rather than the state. Yes. Sounds like you a nightmare. See. What, a, what, a, what a dystopian, what a nightmare. Oh, my God. I went to look at some private, um, giant, one of the giant estates where there's no, t- totally centralized, no, you know, just... Uh, Those are ghettos for white people. But that's I hate hate estates. Yeah, obviously they're awful. But what I'm saying is, like, you know, this is this is what it devolves. I'd rather have, you know, I would rather have democratically kind of accountable centralized government than than this nightmare, libertarian nightmare. So, is there any government in the world that that you think sort of fits that that mold in terms of democratic accountability? I think. I mean, some yeah, many countries are more accountable than others. I'm not, oh, sure, yeah, but like in general, like, um, is there one that you? I, I'm not going to. No, I'm not. I think that requires. It's a easy to of, say. I mean, I can easily say countries that you know are ranked where, like, you know, this requires a, a level of kind of fine grained detail um, that I can't give. All oh, right. Yeah. Because it is a democratic accountable. What does it actually fundamentally mean? Well, we can see what it doesn't. We can see when states sure. can act, you know, and we can see, you know, we can see how when states act well. So that's also what's interesting is if you look at Brexit, for example. I mean, yeah, I think kind of right wing. I mean, there's a lot of left wing arguments for Brexit. I mean, I think that obviously all Brexit. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I Jeremy mean, Corbyn I mean, makes the best ones, <laughs> and then he pretends he doesn't. So he, uh, Corbyn, <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. Corbyn's always supported Brexit. Yeah, yeah. but that doesn't until that, it happened. Well, then. that's different from like you know what you know I, you know you can think the EU is ultimately. You know, elite-orientated, undemocratic, hugely problematic, hugely destructive. But that's different from saying, "Well, Brexit's a good idea." I mean, Brexit's an obviously destructive idea. Yeah, I mean, they're not obviously you know, suicidal, not suicidal, but obviously self-destructive. Well, it's a curse of the, of the. I mean, if they don't get fucked by the EU, they get fucked by their own government. So Britons don't win either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, yes. Oh, it's a bit, I think I think the concept of Brexit is, is good for well, the concept of Brexit, but for most people. How 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 is this going to be good for anyone? I'm not sure why we're talking about Brexit all of a sudden, but how is this going to be good for anyone? What Brexit? Mm. Well, auto- well, supposedly more autonomy to the how? British people how? because the government's far more accountable because they're in London, not in Brussels. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a set, you know, there's like frankly, but then you have to trust the government in London. Who does that? No one. Well, you vote for your government. At least you can hey, look. There's. The fact of the matter, I mean, sure, there's a, lot, there's a lot of arguments you can make. There's a lot of problems with the, you should read Perry Anderson's stuff on the EU, very good. Perry but, Anderson, mm-hmm. okay. But, um, probably better say that loud, but you know what I mean. But, um, but that's very different from, you know, the actually self-destructive consequences of, of Brexit. Now. It's not giving more autonomy to anyone. I think long term it will. 
Who knows? Who knows? Uh, what are your views on? I don't know. You got, have you got somewhere to go? Uh, what is the time? It. Well. Three. Three. Okay, ten more minutes. Okay. It's uh, it's uh, twenty two. Okay. There we go. That was fine. All right. Can, Antifa. Okay. Antifa. Yeah. I look at Antifa like they hooded. I get why they hooded. They want they don't want to be seen by the by the cops and all that. Um. You think the destruction of private property is perfectly legitimate way to protest? It depends why. Okay, Antifa, okay, the, the G20, the G8 summit, I think they yeah. were there. Yeah. And now they're like sort of attacking where like conservative speakers are going to speak. Like someone well, like Milo or Ben yeah. Shapiro. Yeah. Well, they are. You saw the videos of Berkeley. Mm-hmm. People saying that Antifa and they're yeah. literally smashing the windows okay. yeah. of the university, right? Yeah. So is the question... Is and they say that, and they call themselves left wing. So is the question whether it's ever justified? Or whether it's justified in these cases. Yeah, in these cases. Like but someone speaking. Do you think, do you think that's justified? No, I, 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 do, you think, do you think speech is violence? Do I think speech? It can be, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh. Why not? Like so a what's, the difference, what's the difference between a speech act and any other act? You know, we, we all agree that we can prevent some kind of action. What's the, how is speech different? How is speech different? From any other activity. What I'm saying is, you know, you can't... Well, you've got physical, you got physical action. Sure. Someone smashed you with a hammer in the face. Okay. That's violence. Mm-hmm. Someone saying, imagine getting smacked with a hammer in the face. It's not the same as getting smacked with a hammer in the face. Right. That's true. That's, those are okay, sure. So how do you determine if, when it's violent well, it or not? It can be violent. It can be destructive. They can incite it. Speech can be, speech can be destructive. Yeah, like when Julius uh, tweeted that mm-hmm. H&M will be sorry for what they did uh, and then they trashed the place. Sure. So is that speech violent? Yeah. Really? Well, think, well, what kind what kind of people just who actually perpetuated the violence just have the autonomy to say? And we we allow them the autonomy to say... Well, we do. I mean, they, okay. they're not drones, no. right? You can, you can, I mean, if you incite violence and, and I you condemn someone for inciting violence, you're not saying that the people who were incited by that violence... Had no, you know, had no autonomy. But do you think someone like Milo Yiannopoulos has violent speech? I think he's a schmuck. I mean, yeah, it's a, the question whether it's violent or not, I'm, funny. Not sure, I'm not sure what hinges on... When he says there's no... No, so, what like, hinges on the question, it's not funny. He's, he's the most banal fucking dude, in, well, not the most, there's a lot of people contending. No, but people, but people like go out and protest and smash windows because he's talking, like... Well, that may or may not be instrumentally useful. But do you think his, his speech is violent? I'm not sure what rest. I mean, because you're now like trying to kind of pass like exact meaning of what violence. Are. Like, I'm, I'm not sure, like what rests on with defining that. Like, what rests on that definition? Oh, like if he, do, if he, if he, if he. Uh, are you asking me if he's culpable for you know what he incites? Well, he has incited. Uh, no. So, for example, when he says something mm-hmm. derogatory about tra- the transgender community yes. or something like that, uh-huh. do you think Antifa's actions against that? Are justified. I think it depends. I can't give a blanket depends. answer. It depends. I can't give a blanket answer for, for that question. I mean, I think people should be allowed to speak. You don't have to hit anyone if they well, speak. Sometimes people, sometimes people can speak, and it can be incredibly destructive. Should you prevent them or not? It depends. Depends what they're saying. Depends on the context. I mean, I don't think this is a. I mean, I, th- I think it's. I think it's fairly obvious that this is not just a blanket answer. I mean, hypothetically, if every time I said a word, someone in the world died. Yeah, okay, it makes sense mm-hmm. for me to well, shut up. Obvious, right? well, that's an obvious, yeah. But th- it doesn't happen that way. No, but that doesn't... <laughs> doesn't so it's all contextual. Yes, yeah, exactly, all, it's all contextual. That's, I'm, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Okay. So you yeah, have no hard and fast answers for anything, Simon. Well, not for the questions you're asking. <laughs> Is it okay to punch a Nazi? Yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But like one with... But then you have to define what a Nazi is. 
And a lot no, of the, no, 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 you're a lot of these, answers, I'm giving you hard and fast. <laughs> but a lot of these like white nationalist types are Nazis. Oh, fuck. Like Richard Spencer deserved to be punched in the oh, face on camera. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, he's a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What? Yes. So what? You're allowed to be a douchebag if you're a free, autonomous individual, sure, which you which you love. You're allowed to punch him in the face. Without repercussion. Sure. Well, whatever. Uh, repercussion could be another. Maybe no, I'm not saying without repercussion. Maybe that person should have been arrested for assault, but that still doesn't mean it wasn't a bad thing to do. So if I, yeah. all right, but if I say then that um, someone on the left deserves to be punched in the face, would you? I would disagree. With you. you see? Yeah. Double standards. No. Why? Because Nazis are bad. Commies are bad too. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, again, so this is where we, you, like, no, this is, important, this is an important principle. You're like, I'm saying this is not, the abstract principle you seem to be arguing about is not the principle I'm arguing about. Right. I'm saying it's okay to punch Nazis because they're bad. Okay. And fuck them. And it's good to prevent them, it's good to discourage Nazis from being Nazis. I don't think it's bad to punch Nazis. Or, or punching them in the face won't discourage them. Might. If, you, if <laughs> it, it might turns not. out re- in reality. <laughs> it might not. If it turns out in reality that punching Nazis in the face is guarant- you know is likely to lead to a fascist government. Yeah, sure. Then we need to reconsider this tactic. Yeah, I think I think you but should again, reconsider is, it. So what? Whatever. The point is, what I'm saying is again, this is why it's important to point out that the supposed dispute about principles is actually often a kind of hegemon- like a hegemonic kind of tactic for evading actual discussion about tactics. Really? Yeah. So so sometimes not always, but I'm right. saying you know we pre- we pretend that we're talking about the. You know the principles of free speech. Oh, it's really important. Free, you know, free speech is really important until it's you know uh, pro-Palestinian activists or whatever it is. You know, then oh, suddenly now we have to keep these dangerous elements up. I mean, you're going to see this kind of hypocrisy all the time. The pretense that we're talking about abstract principles when what we're actually talking about is oh, I want my side to talk and you shouldn't disturb it. But is it only are you are you accusing the right of doing that or accusing everyone of doing so? I'm sure it happens a lot, but I've seen it on the right. Of course, it happens on the right. Yeah. And it happens on the left too. Sure. So do you call it's it out? I'm just talking. I'm just talking about phenomenon. I'm saying a lot of what appears to be a debate about principle mm. isn't. It's, it's a debate about something else. Just again, like with these principles, like you're like, aha, I've caught the hypocrisy. It's but okay to punch it. No, I'm not saying. I'm not trying to say I've caught you up. But I'm saying there's an you know in terms of understanding, standing back and understanding the structure of the argument. No, there's no hypocrisy there. My my point wasn't about the general like okayness of punching people you disagree with. Was that it's good to punch Nazis? That's a right. Separate, well, as long as they admit to being well, as long as you know well, for sure yeah, they're a Nazi. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course, yes, sure. I mean, come on, people yeah, call Ben Shapiro a Nazi. Yeah, he's who, just a schmuck. The guy with the yamaka who whose grandparents fled G- Germany mm. or wherever. Ben Shapiro is not a Nazi. He's a he's a he's a schmuck, but he's not a Nazi. <laughs> he's a schmuck sometimes. He's fun. I don't find him fun. I find him incredibly. Yeah, I mean, all these guys. That's why I really don't. I really don't understand this. Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, Ben Shapiro. These guys are so fucking banal, so unbelievably uninteresting. Like I just, I don't understand. Like I just, I can't understand. Ooh, you just, you just killed Jesus like in front of me. Sorry. And now you're throwing shit in my face. The Holy Trinity. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Really, they're all banal. Okay, Sam Harris is banal. Jordan Peterson's interesting. Is he? But I, look, I haven't. Look, I, I don't have, have to confess. I haven't. Like I haven't. I can't like get through more than I've, occasionally. I thought, let me actually before I cut like. I've never been able to watch more than like a minute and a half of any of these people's like, videos or whatever. Like they're just boring as well. Sam Harris, the guy who look, I, I don't want to just like random people. But, like the guy who like solved his old problem. The guy's anyway, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like who cares? Like so, so their popularity is just another why, another reason why capitalism shit. <laughs> is that they it? Have, they they kind of are the greatest uh, <laughs> the greatest kind of confirmation of the kind of Frankfurt School hypothesis. Um, Oh, so where to from here, Simon? 
Do you think there will be a radical shift? In South Africa? Well, it looks like the opposite now, if anything. It looks like... I know, like... The Xavier Soromampos is coming. Can you believe and it? you will crack down, and there will be an anti-corruption drive, I, I have, and there will yeah. be business confidence, and there will be increased centralization, and there will be some radical talks and gestures towards land reform and education, and there will be business as usual. Dembeki is without the kind of wild conspiracy theories. So no, not for now. But who knows? South Africa is unpredictable and strange. But you think, but you think South Africa will be a lot better should there be some radical change? But then again, it Better depends, it depends mean, on the nature. Think, well, I certainly think that the, you know, as much, so, so here I am, like any other, like, semi-reasonable South African, of course, welcome how, how centrist overlords or reports. And many, you know, obviously it beats the, the chaos of the, you know, the Zoomies, like I said, the, the worst of all worlds, the Zoomies, sure. which is, you know, business as usual with, you know, rampant corruption with, I mean, not that corruption hasn't existed prior, but at least it was acceptable, tolerable corruption. The kind of corruption the Davos crowd can, can live with, not, you know, and not anti-business fake radical corruption. Yes. So, so yeah, I mean, life under Cyril will definitely, you know, you know, is a better, a better proposition than the chaos of the Zoom years. But that doesn't mean that that's my vision of, you know, how, I think now more than ever, civil society, the leftist people have to really now, now the real fight begins. You know. Yeah, and nothing. Section Twenty Seven needs to get its fucking act together now. Yeah, now properly. Under, under the, you know, of course, we still have yet to see. We assume that Ramaphosa is going to entrench his power. We, we don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's still going to happen? I don't know how the next few years are going to play out. I don't know. You know, these, the, the internal power dynamics of the ANC are incredibly opaque, you know, to outsiders. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But the point is, now seems more than ever the time for, you know, for, for the left, for, for people in general, for ordinary South Africans to actually... Now, you know, the, the fight starts now. Yeah. But what happens, last question from our side, what happens if, if Cyril does well, mm-hmm. according to whatever well, yeah. there, there's economic growth mm-hmm. and people are wealthier mm-hmm. and there good. are more jobs. Yeah, that'd be good. That'll be better than and not being economic growth. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But that diminishes the EFF's yes. capabilities sure. and support dramatically. Mm-hmm. What does it say about South Africans generally when supposedly, if there's good economic growth, yes. the left just doesn't seem to exist politically. I mean, I mean I'm not sure what the question is. Oh, I mean, you could, I there's, mean, there's no stomach for, for radicalism. Well, people don't want to upset the status quo, you know, when things seem to be going okay. People now just want... But millions of people vote for the status quo, like, all the time. Okay. So are they not brainwashed, but are you saying they are... They're not are as autonomous me, as they believe. Are you asking me why millions of South Africans vote for the ANC every year? I mean, not every every election. I can't answer that question. I'm not, you know, I think we should go ask people why they vote for the ANC. I can't. You know, every time there's economic growth, like the far left really just loses out. Well, that's not surprising. I mean, that doesn't. You know, but surprising. if but if the ideas were so important, yeah, but they don't appear to be important. They don't have. Well, they certainly they don't, don't appear to be important because you know, again, there's this, there's these hegemonic ideas that we're talking about. Or maybe they know. shit ideas and people don't like them. Why would people stop? Could that be I mean, possible? It could be possible. But what I'm okay. saying is, but no, what I'm saying is why... Gotcha. End the interview. Anything's <laughs> <laughs> possible. What I'm saying is the quality, how does the quality, I mean, how how is people accepting the status quo more when they're, when they're under less financial pressure? Like, how does that, how's that a measure of the quality of like Marxian analyses of like, you know, world systems or whatever. Yeah, maybe people just are just satisfied with what they have and radicalism is not really required. 
um, uh, not, not that it discredits no, I think the far left, mm-hmm. but it's not this galvanizing force. Well, no, but I mean, obviously, people are going to be more. No, but just like people, just like the you know extreme right flourishes in times of turmoil, in times of in times of like relative stability, people think the you know people think that the status quo is more tolerable than when it is. I mean, this isn't. I don't think there's anything particularly noteworthy about that. But we might also say that the you know critiques of capitalism, are, you know, well, not just critics of capitalism, you know, uh, kind of mainstream economists will also see that crisis is built into you know, cycles of crisis. So, you know, capitalist crisis is coming again, you know, dep- no, no matter who you believe, mm-hmm. is, you know, crises are recurrent. So, what, are left ideas suddenly good again when the crisis hits? You know, so it appears. No, well, no, there's certainly more appeal, but what They're I'm saying appeal, is, you, yeah. you know, the fact is, if you have an analysis that says that these crises are occurring and they are okay it's a good analysis if it explains why if it explains the dynamics that's good like I mean surely the question is whether these ideas are, are true also you mm. know, so you know and and it seems that they're more true than many of the explanations really yeah I mean that that's what counts isn't it so there's truth in the world what does that mean oh, I don't know <laughs> I don't know Nevertheless, Simon, thank you. Thank you. I don't know. I know that this is true. An interview did happen. Well, interview. Well, the, the sentence that an interview did happen. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Nevertheless, thanks for joining me. Cool. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Cool. How can you say what does that mean? Well, what does it mean? The truth is.